Okay, good evening everyone. Sorry for the uh, short delay. Um, ready to begin. Before we start, I wanted to invite everyone this Wednesday night, May 2nd, um, <coughs> at 8.45 p.m., right over here at the corner of Beverly and La Brea in front of a real market. We're going to be having a very special Lagboimer bonfire. Um, the Mayan bonfire is known already for years to be really, really, really something else, very special, very powerful, and very beautiful, a real sense of Miron here in Los Angeles. You know, someone pointed out to me something very interesting that um, Miron, where Rabshim Ba Yochai is buried, is in the latitude um, 33. He's, his yard site is the 33rd day of the Oimer, and the latitude in Miron, exactly, uh, I'm not so uh, knowledgeable in all this, uh, in, the, in this, in this uh, idea, but the latitude is 33, and if you continue the very same latitude, uh, you come right through L.A. So Los Angeles is on the same latitude as um, Maron. So uh, connecting L.A., which is probably the diametrically opposed Indian. Uh, Maron is the source of the highest godly secrets. Los Angeles is the source of opposite aspects, and when we can permeate uh, such a tachtoin, such a low place with the fire and the energy of Miron, that is something really special. So I'd like to invite everyone to come join. We're going to have a big vi a video feed, um, a bonfire, a barbecue, a live band, a special 
a singer from Yerushalayim that's going to give us the real, real Moron. It's the first time we're doing that. It's going to be really special. 845, men, women, and children are invited. Please come. If you'd like to sponsor a torch or be part of the lighting of the bonfire, you can let me know. Uh, we can use some more sponsorships just to cover the event. That would be really, really good. Big bracha for many, many things. Okay. Um, we are also, I'd like to announce uh, the special sponsor this week um, on the CD. The sheer, I was out of town, so I didn't get a chance to even look for a sponsor. But um, the sponsor on the CD came to me, so I didn't have to look for them. It was sponsored by the Weinstein family, Zipporah Weinstein, uh, in honor of her father, Le'ili um, Nishmas, her father, Yosef ben Zipporah. May his neshama have a very great aliyah to the greatest of heights. May he channel lots and lots and lots of brachas to you. And Be'ezus Hashem, of Mamish, 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 may you see him again down here in a physical body as we are much, 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 much closer than anybody can imagine. Okay, thank you for that. Ma'ashem, bless you and your family with much bracha. Much, much bracha nachas from the children. Parnasa v'hachav in abundance. And only, only good and only, only wonderful things. Thank you. Okay. Um, the Pasuk says, As the days that you went out of Egypt, I will show you wonders. And this is referring to the coming of Mashiach, the great wonders that are going to happen in the days of Mashiach. That the, the manifestation of the future redemption, or as I can't say anymore, future redemption, but... The current, I used to say up and coming redemption, we can't even say that anymore. The current redemption is a redemption which, which is going to be spectacular. It's going to be wonders. Which means things that are going to happen that are so beyond, so beyond, so beyond, to the point that they make the miracles of Mitzrayim seem to be small compared to the miracles of the up and coming redemption. The godliness behind them, the godly forces behind them are going to come from the highest, deepest, deepest, deepest places. And therefore it might be that because it's so deep and it's so high, it's possible that we might miss them and not, gain, and not really realize, at least until, until we have the actual Moshiach's revelation in the world, it might be missed by many people because it's so deep and it's so high. So the Pasuk says, Irenu, I will have to show it to you. So Hashem will show us the wonders. So there's a special, special emphasis on opening up our eyes to see the wonders. Now, I think everybody in the world realizes that major things are happening, major changes, major, major, unbelievable. The world is shaking and moving, and the speed in which events are unfolding is just... It's, it's indescribable. I mean, it's, 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 it's shocking. Yet, um, for many people, it's nice. Yeah, it's another event, another event, and another event. And people, I feel, are still are still hesitant. Uh, if we, we if we wouldn't be hesitant, we probably should be already dancing on the streets, uh, 
completely uncontrollably. Um, it's because we're still hesitant, because for most people they're not putting the dots together, and people are looking at these events as if these are just other, just just another occurrence or another occurrence. There's a lack of being able to like look at the entire picture and see that what well, what is unfolding in front of our eyes is is unbelievable. The flois sheben flois. Now the Lubavitcher Rebbe said in 1990, 1991, and in 1992 that the world has entered into a new stage. And we have just a Higiyaz Mangulaschem and the time of the redemption has arrived. And the Rebbe did not stop speaking about it. Shabbos after Shabbos, week after week, pounding and pounding and pounding and pounding the idea Mashiach is happening in the world, that Mashiach Tzedkeno himself is already operating within creation to transform the world. These are the words of the Rebbe. And he kept on saying it again and again and again and again. And uh, I think we just didn't get it. But the Rebbe, if anybody knows anything about him and knows about, <laughs> he has vision. And Dvara Lekenu Yakum Liyoylam Vod, our Tzadik, our Rebbe, doesn't speak his own words. The Shechina speaks from his mouth. Anybody who watched or saw or looked at the Lubavitcher Rebbe during Sunday dollars, you can look for hours upon hours of videos, can see and read the stories. There is literally endless stories. I'm talking about thousands. Endless stories of these moment encounters of people and the Rebbe just throws out a word to them and they're confused thinking what is he talking about I just heard a story today like that I'm not going to go over it right now but just like uh, and, and people think like what is he talking about and then and, and, and then uh, a, a day a week a month a year ten years later they see wow yeah he, he had he, 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 he spoke the future he, he had Ruach HaKodesh so the Rebbe regarding Mashiach more than anything else says I'm telling you a prophecy that we are now in the time of the Giyula. So the Rebbe then pointed to a few things that happened in the world, beginning with the collapse of the Soviet Union, um, the uh, war in Iraq, the riddance of the chemical weapons that Saddam Hussein had prepared for the Jewish people, the coming together of major armies to fight and protect Israel and the Jewish people, the the agreement made by superpowers to cut down on nuclear weapons and to denuclearize the world and to use the, those powers for the benefit and the improvement of mankind. These were all things that were said way back then. And um, over the course of the years, you needed to have a little bit of a sharper eye to be able to see the continuation of these miracles leading towards the Giyola. The last three years, everything is changing. The speed of which the momentum that has picked up, the speed in which the Giula is unfolding, took on a whole new level. And I had told you three years ago the significance of the Tafshin Ayan Hay, and I shared with you then a case from the Alter Rebbe, Rabbi Shneer Zalman of Liadi, in which he predicts. I mean, as I, I can't, I'm not going to say clearly that he predicted that year. I always have to give a disclaimer. But to me, it's clear that he did predict that year. Is that underlying in his discourse is the year 
Tavshin Ayin Hay for the ending of the, sh- the Shechina coming out of Golas. And as we've seen in, in our, as we've seen in the last three years, um, the world made a complete roundabout and a total 180 degree turnaround. It's not the same world of two years ago. It started about a year and a half ago, but the preliminary um, aspects leading up to it started three years ago. Here in California, people are uncomfortable sometimes because of the because of the um, political uh, the political um, what you call it uh, environment or so on and so forth uh, to speak. Uh, openly and strongly in the praises praises of the president, um, but and there were times when I'm I was a lone voice and telling everybody coming here, especially on Shabbos when there wasn't a microphone, that uh, guys open up your eyes. This is this is this is huge. This is huge. Um, and 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 people had some complaints, not too much, but I got some some backlash back and forth here and there. If you don't have, if you don't see it now, I, I don't know what. I guess, I guess, today's days, even when someone is is blind and they have and they're blindfolded with a couple of shmatis on their head, they still ought to see what is going on in the world. Just what happened in the last month, just what happened in the last week, just what happened today, and it's consecutive. And it's going, and it's continuing, and it's not stopping. From the Jewish people being literally in the pits, from a state in which the entire world ganged up against the Jewish people, from which the world had signed a death warrant. People don't realize this. The the world so innocently has signed a death warrant, chas v'shalom, chas v'shalom, to allow chas v'shalom for another holocaust to happen. With the agreement with Iran. And the, the onslaught and the campaign against Yerushalayim. And the two-state solution. And they're keeping Harabayas away from the Jewish people. Can't we see that this is the last war that the Klippa was waging to stop Mashiach from happening? And as I mentioned again and again, the Eibishter, the Pasuk says, Yoshev B'Shemayim Yitzchak, God who sits on high in heaven laughs, which means he's going to jeopardize their plans in a way that is going to be humorous, in a way that's going to be funny in a way that's going to be so incomprehensible because no one expected it. And as I mentioned another time, God's laughter is the current president that God brought us to over here. What is his laughter? Because no one expected this. No one expected in the political environment of the United States, the way it was going. And Israel was demonized and pointed out to be an aggressor. And, so, and we were on defensive. And it, we have to give it to, the, to Bibi Netanyahu for having the courage to stand up to the previous administration. In the U.S. Congress, and again and again speaking of the danger, he gets tremendous courage. Uh, 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 he gets tremendous credit for his unbelievable, rock-solid courage. 
that too came from a tzaddik. You know, he was by the Rebbe, and the Rebbe spoke to him a lot, and telling him, giving him that strength. But it was unbelievable. He stood up. But yet, the environment of the world, in the direction where everything was going, so how can we not see the spectacular miracle that the Abishter did for the Jewish people? He put in someone who could not make it to the office. It was impossible. All the odds were against him. And you remember two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, a month before, two months before, how he began falling and falling and falling. That's the way God works. He allows the others to already pop the champagne bottles. They're already thinking that they've already won. If they, God forbid... Uh, the, the, the elections would have gone the other way. It would have continued and even much worse what we would have seen Chas Vashon. They had already had that big meeting in Paris to, to rip up, to tear Yerushalayim away from the Jewish people and to give it away. Again, again, that's, that's, the, that's the ultimate that takes away, that doesn't allow Mashiach to come. Yerushalayim is Ir David. This is the palace of Mashiach. This is, the, this is where God's kingdom will, will spread forth. So the Abishter came and showed the Jewish people such a miracle. Put someone in office that no one has expected. And gave him the, the courage to stand up against the whole world. And I, I think we have to repeat these miracles because we have to realize there were a lot of very good candidates. Many of them very pro-Israel. You had someone like Ted Cruz. You had the other guy from Florida, I forgot his name. Uh, Rubio. You had some really good people. Like they had, they had very strong uh, uh, um, um, support for, for Israel, for the Jewish people and the like. Good friends. Do you realize in an environment, in an environment where there is such falsehood, there is such lies, and there is a powerful, powerful production, the production of lies, the manufacturing of lies day after day after day created powerful myths myths of, 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 of pure fabrication and lies. And unless you were going to have... And no one could have taken that down. No one could have changed it because they would have been automatically crushed. You needed a bulldozer. You needed someone who can look him in the eye and laugh him in the face. And that's what happened. That's what happened. But here's the thing. Had it not taken to heart, had it not been in his, in his, in his deepest, in, by him in his deepest place, his fight for Jerusalem, you know, there were many things that, you know, that, you know, deal with the politics in America, you know, some of them you might agree with and some of them you might not agree with and that's, that's irrelevant. It's the fact that after a year and a half in office, he says, or I think at the conclusion of his first year, that his most important moment in, in his presidency was the announcement on Yerushalayim. As I've been saying, when he announces Yerushalayim as the capital of Israel, that means that the Tsar, the ministering angel of Edom, he is the leader of Edom, he is the leader of the Christian world, that's the leader of Edom, the Western world. He is the leader, he's Edom. That, and they destroyed the Beis Amigdash. They need to concede. He conceded. Esau conceded. Edom conceded. These things are huge. But not only did he concede, but now he becomes the biggest supporter to the point that he is now saying that he himself is going to go possibly to Israel for the opening of the embassy. That's a second visit after the first one, which was the first place that he went to. 
I mean, on the first trip that he did. That's huge, that's huge. But now add to that, Yishmael coming on board as well. In the last couple of days, I mean, he's this fellow, Muhammad bin Salaman, or Ibn, whatever his name is. This is the crown prince of, of Saudi Arabia. He is the purest gene of Yishmael that there is today in the world. Saudi Arabia, that they're, 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 if, they're, if there's anywhere where you have the pure, the pure Yishmael coming along. And we know this Gullus is a Gullus of Edom and a Gullus Yishmael. And he gives legitimacy to Israel these days. Does that make... What's Mashiach? Mashiach is the idea that Gam Oivav, you are his arch enemies, Yashlim Ito, you're going to make peace with him. And from where? Where did this come from? How did this happen? If anything, Saudi Arabia was like the ultimate quiet, underlying supporter of all, of all the, the whole campaign. They never fought a war against Israel, but they were the money, they were the power, they were everything against Israel. And, and the fact that he should turn around and that he should tell the Palestinians, in addition to the fact that he says the Jewish people have a right to their land, that he should say that Yishmael should make an admission like that, that too means the ministering angel of Yishmael has conceded. What it simply means is, once Russia fell, America supporting the building of Yerushalayim, which, which is Edom, as we said, Russia and America, together with Yishmael, are agreeing to Eretz Yisrael, Yerushalayim, and, to, and today, what happened today added more. He tells the Palestinians, either accept the peace deal that is being now presented to you, or shut up. Imagine him, the person said, he says that to them. Now, that peace deal, now, I mean, you think about it a little deeper. That peace deal is not, he knows that Trump is not giving him Jerusalem. He knows that they're not giving, because Trump himself said Jerusalem is off the table. So he knows they're not giving him Jerusalem. So for the Muslims to give up on Harabayas, that's what we're seeing in front of our own eyes. Are you saying it? Are, are all the billion Muslims? Yes, everything starts, but it's starting at the nucleus. It's starting at the core, at the at the inner inner core. That's the sign of the transformation. That's unbelievable. What did we say earlier? We spoke about the the the, the other signs of Mashiach, denuclearization. There was such a powerful threat to the world from North Korea. A very, very dangerous threat. Are we forgetting what happened the last two months? And now, just in the last two weeks, who can believe this? Now, most, I mean, obviously, until we're not going to see the final outcome, we don't know. And unlike Trump himself says, you know, let's see what's going to happen, let's see what's going to happen. But the news that's coming out and the information that we're getting seems like he's pretty sincere. And had I not believed that we're living now, had I been a Gentile or someone who was looking at this from the outside, and looking at this on the outside and saying, okay, yeah, maybe no, can we trust them or not? But since we're living in the time when when Mashiach Tzedkenu is going to transform the hearts of all of humanity, yes, even someone like that who is known as a tyrant and who knows and, and, and a human rights violist and the big, uh, 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 someone who violated human rights on the highest levels and so on. But even a heart like that can change. That's the whole idea of Mashiach. He switches everything over. He flips everything up and down. Who would have expected that? Who would have expected that? 
And it's not coming from our president. The reason why it's coming from our president, I'm not ashamed to say this, because he has godly success. He has godly success because Mashiach Tzedkenu is working through him. And he's not fighting it. He's allowing it to happen. So whatever you people think about him, so on, it's irrelevant. He's the chosen one to cease certain things. And not to talk about this as a crime. Not to realize these miracles that are happening and think, Oi, Rabbi Wolf, you're talking politics. I don't care politics. It doesn't bother. I don't care about it. But I do care about our nation and about a people for 2,000 years that were in exile. And I do care about the purpose of the world. And when we're seeing these miracles happen, and to walk around cold-hearted, and to walk around as if nothing is happening, we should be running on the streets screaming, Mashiach is coming. Let's prepare, let's change, let's do something. How long can we remain icy, cold, indifferent? Doesn't make any sense. And I'm the only rabbi talking about it. It, 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 I, I, I just don't know what's going on. When are people going to wake up? Then we have next. Then we have to continue with this. Then we have the, the bomb that exploded today. What else is the sign of Mashiach? That everything is going to become crystal clear. That lies will go out the window. And you can't lie anymore. So the unbelievable miracle. Did you see Netanyahu's display this today? Today? How he just removed that veil and dropped the curtain and said, here, here is all the stink. This is the, don't you see it? And the fact that it came from the Jewish prime minister in Israel speaking to the world to stop lying, to stop feeding, to stop supporting evil and to clearly unmasking it. Now what's going to happen with Iran? What's going to happen? We don't know. All we know is one thing. Good things are happening now. The, 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 the direction where things are going now is more and more and more ge'uladig. You know? Is, is Iran, after they've been stripped, stripped naked like this and exposed in front of the whole world, is this going to be a chance for them to do tshuva? And to, and to have a turnaround? Let's hope that the, the hishapcha, the transformation, should include, should include Iran as well. But one thing is for sure, we're seeing such moshias, the miracles, the miracles are coming in such speed and in such intensity. It's really, really incredible. And this calls for a, a reaction. We can't sit by idly and just look at it and say, you know, let, let it be what it is. No. Because, Why? I mean, one can argue, one can say, listen, if, it's, if this is Taka Mashiach, if this is really what it is, so let it play itself out. Let it, you know, what do I have to get involved? Let it be. We have to all be cautious because, you know, the Jewish people had so many. The reason why we can't sit by and let it play itself out is because of what happened last week, Thursday. Because the longer this thing schleps, if Mashiach would have been here two years ago, three years ago, five years ago. If Mashiach would have been here three weeks ago, we wouldn't have had ten beautiful people, young, beautiful Jews lose their lives. This, this, it's it, it, it's completely irresponsible, it's cruel on us. If the Abishter is ready to bring the Giyula, and he wants our participation, and there's no doubt that our, that we have a say in the speed of how these things were unfold. And the more our avoda, the more we get involved, and the more conscious we become of the giyula, 
the more we do what we need to do in order to prepare ourselves. Because the Abishta doesn't want doesn't to hit us, you know, in a surprise and in a sense that we're not ready. He would much rather we are ready. So he's waiting for us to get ready. And we were told by the Navi of the generation 26 years ago, not only to get ready, but how to get ready. But because it didn't materialize immediately, and because afterwards there was some kind of a darkness and a concealment, it caused people to kind of think that it was a good try, and, uh, and uh, it failed. Chas v'shel, nothing failed. So that's where we are today. So in today's class, I'd like to continue a theme that I spoke about last week in the, in the uh, Parsha, in my life class, that never happened, but it somehow came about on Thursday night. And um, I would like to take the idea from that, from that um, class and combine it with some new information. Uh, because the years that I'm trying to do this year is trying to convey uh, to people an English version and a translation the way I see it of the talks the Lubavitch Rebbe gave on the last year that he, we heard his voice talking to us and addressing us about the redemption. So these two weeks, Pashas Achrei Mois and Pashas Emoir, the Rebbe developed one very important fundamental idea about the essence of the redemption. And he gave clear instructions that when we appreciate and we understand the redemption in that way, then we can know what we need to do. So um, let's begin with a little story. So it's a famous story. You might have heard it, but I think it really, really, really tells, it really, really gets to the heart and the root of the problem, of the issue that we're all suffering from today. A man comes home in his town somewhere in Ukraine. He comes home all excited and happy, and he tells his wife, Pesha, did you hear? Moshiach is coming. The rabbi said, Moshiach is coming. We have to prepare, gewald, Moshiach is coming. You should have seen the rabbi talking in shul. Today he was on fire. And he said, Moshiach is coming. So his wife gets terrified. And she says, what kind of calamity is that? Did the rabbi, did the rabbi explain it? Did he tell us what this is all about? He says, no, I have no idea. He just told us that we have to get prepared. Moshiach is coming. So he says, quickly, how did you leave the shul without finding out what exactly this is? Go back to the rabbi and find out what Mashiach is all about. So he comes back a few minutes, a little while later, and he says, the rabbi said that there's nothing to worry about. It's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. Mashiach is good for the Jews. Someone told me just yesterday that his mother passed away. Someone who actually should be a schus for his mother. Um, big supporter of Mayan. So he told me um, that his mother would, any, any news, any time she heard any news, she would always ask, is it good for the Jews? That was the question. So the rabbi came and the rabbi said, it's, it's good for the Jews. A wonderful thing. Mashiach is coming, he's going to take us all to the land of Israel, and we're going to live happily ever after. So the lady says, what do you mean? <laughs> Mashiach is coming, he's going to take us all, and what's with our house, what's with our possessions? What's with our two cows? What's with our five sheep, goats? What's with the, you know, our, our two dozen chicken, you know, for chickens in our chicken coop? <laughs> what do you mean? So, so he says, uh, so, he, so she says, go quickly tell the rabbi, we don't want, sorry, we're, we're okay over here. We don't, we don't want to go. So he goes back, and then he comes back a little while later, and he says, 
I just spoke to the rabbi, and the rabbi explained to me, he says, you know, you know the tsaras we always have. You know the problems we've had with the neighbors painting swastikas on the, on the front or doing all kinds of other things, the eggs they've thrown. I know this was before the swastikas. But, um, and the eggs and the, and the this and the that and the tsaras and the other time that someone got beaten up in the community. And you remember when the Cossacks came and we barely escaped with our life. When Mashiach will come, we're going to live in the land of Israel. We live amongst Jews. There won't be any Gentile neighbors. There won't be any pogroms. There won't be any Cossacks. We're going to be perfectly fine. So his wife says to him, she says, listen here, I have a much better idea. Go to the rabbi. Tell the rabbi that I say that he should tell Mashiach as follows. Let him take the Gentiles. Let him take all the Cossacks to Israel and tell him to just please, please, please leave us alone. This exactly, even though it's a, a story that Jews, that we tell of, of like, and laugh of, you know, the simplicity or the naivety of, of simple people, this story is very real. There are many, many people who are not excited about Mashiach's coming because what for? You know, if we lived in times when we, had, when we had the Kazakhs breathing down our back, if we lived in times when we were suffering tremendously and we had all kinds of persecutions and Parnassah was really bad and there was poverty and who knows what. But Baruch Hashem, we're living in, in a Medina Shel Chesed, we're living in a golden Medina, in a, you know, in a country of opportunity, a country of, which has been kind to us, Baruch Hashem, very little bit, very little anti-Semitism, only goodness. And we have abundance, Baruch Hashem, of everything we need and everything that we want. And even spiritually, we have built up and constructed such an infrastructure in Golos that we can learn Torah, we can, we can daven in so many different types of shuls we want and go to so many classes and access so much spirituality and holiness and goodness and everything. What's lacking in our lives? What do we need Mashiach? Who is Mashiach for? To uproot us and to move us to Eretz Yisrael. We're doing pretty well over here. We even have good weather in LA. So what's lacking? What's lacking? And in some way, if you know, send all the tsaras away and we'll be fine over here. That's what people... So there is such a resistance. So therefore we need to understand, and as we mentioned last week, it comes from a fundamental flaw in the understanding of the whole idea of Mashiach. When it comes to the Giyula, we know in Pesach, there are four lashayness of Giyula. There are four expressions of redemption. The four expressions of redemption are V'hitzaysi, V'hitzalti, V'ga'alti, V'lakachti, and then there is a fifth one, V'hivesi. V'hitzaysi, I will take you out. V'hitzalti, I will save you. V'ga'alti, I will redeem you. V'lakachti, I will take you. V'hivesi, and I will bring you. Each one of these, right, and we drink the four cups corresponding to this because each one expresses the idea of the gullus coming to an end and we're, coming to, we're having a giyula, a redemption. Yet we know that the choice word that is used for the redemption is not hoitzesi. We don't say, let there be a hoitzah shalema. We don't say, zolshan zayin, the hatzalah shalema. Let it be already a complete hatzalah. Let it be already a complete lakicha. Let it be a complete bia. We don't say any of those words. We say we are waiting for the Giyula Shalema. So we choose one of those languages and that has become the name most associated with the redemption. It's called the Giyula. We should be Zaycha to the Giyula. Why the Giyula? 
And that is because it's dafka, this word that expresses the essence of what the redemption is all about. If we look at the word giyula, the word of giyula is exactly the same letters as the word goyla. That's unique about giyula. Giyula has all the letters of goyla, and goyla means redemption, and goyla means exile. Not only does it have the same letters, but the letters are in the same exact order. The only difference between the two is only one letter. In Giyula, we move, us, we move apart the first and the third letter when we squeeze in a second letter and we squeeze in an olive. What does that tell us? That tells us that the world of Mashiach is not so different than the world of Golos. And therefore we don't have to be afraid of it because it's not so intimidating. It's not going to be it's so different. We're not going to be in a new existence where we don't recognize ourselves, or don't recognize the world, it's going to be the same world. Even though they're so different, even though the Golos is the, is, 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 the, is the cause of all sorrow, pain, tears, misery, it's all, all, it's all, it's all related, it all comes, stems from Golos. Giyul is the source for laughter, for happiness, for joy, for pleasure, for delight, for, for enlightenment. So, the difference couldn't be any greater. So of course, without a shadow of a doubt, everything is going to be different. Everything is going to be hugely different, but yet everything is going to be the same. That's the magic of the redemption. It's the same, completely the same, and yet completely different. How does it work to be the same and different? The answer is, the Giyula, the redemption, does not eliminate the Gullus, it does not destroy, it doesn't vaporize the Gullus. It redeems the Gullus. It redeems the Gullus itself. Everything we're going to have in, in Giyula, in the redemption, we have in the Gullus. Not only do we have it in the Gullus, the Gullus is the source for everything we're going to have in the redemption. From within the Gullus, we produce the Giyula. And only from the Gullus. Only the material in which we produce the, the giyula is from the materials of the gullus. The, the gullus itself is the, the, the foundation for the giyula. So what's the difference between the two? We just have a powerful aleph revealed. That one aleph, sudden, it changes everything. It doesn't reorganize the letters, which means the infrastructure is the same, but the content is different. And when that con- what's the content of the Aleph? Enlightenment, clarity, vision. And once you have that, it brings out the true essence of everything and thereby empowering everybody and everything. And suddenly what we had yesterday, which was boring, dull, dead, is now alive, energized, meaningful. That's the Gila. It's You're still you but you're going you're gonna to appreciate yourself. You're going to see how spectacular you are. You're going to see the depth of who you are as an Ashama, the godliness of your soul, your unique power and your abilities and your talents. Today we're plagued with insecurities, with poor self-image, with all kinds of things that we, 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 we don't realize the power of who we are. When Mashiach will come, your light will shine. But it's going to be a light shining without egos. So therefore it's going to be a pure channel for Hashem's magnificent beauty shining through each and every one of us. But every single one of us is shining another aspect of Him 
And therefore, we're absolutely humble in recognizing that nothing is from us, yet at the same time, we realize the magnificent contribution that each and every one of us can give. So that's when we're talking about ourselves, the beauty of our Nisham. We have an Nisham now, that's all, there's nothing new. When Mashiach comes, now you're a Jew. You're a Jew, you have a chelik l'kaimim ma'al-mamash, you have an neshama. You have an neshama that you say l'kaim neshama shanasata be when? Not when Mashiach comes. Now, tahoyrahi, she's pure. She comes from the highest, deepest places. Tahoyrahi, she's even beyond creation. Pure means she's even higher than being a created being. And then atabarasa, you create. It's yitzarta. The neshama comes through all, all four worlds. And finally comes down. You have that neshama today. How much love do you have in your soul for God? How much appreciation. Your neshama is, has such depth. But when we daven, today, we're davening on the surface. We're davening on the surface. We're numb. We're hardly able to, to, to say those words and find some meaning. And it's not like we don't have the love. It's not that we don't have the passion. It's not that we don't have the fervor. We have it, but it's all clogged. It's all stuck. That's gullus. Gullus is clogged. Dullness and clogged. Everything is suppressed. The, the, the gullus does not allow the true nature of things to shine. I mentioned on the Thursday night when we learned this idea, it's not only regarding to us as humans, it regards to the entire world. When Hashem created the world, it says, The word toldois is spelled with two vavs. Taf, vav, lamed, dalet, vav, saf. And the Medrash says it's the only time in the Torah, besides one more place, where toldois is spelled with two vavs. Toldois mole. Usually the word toldois is lacking a vav. It's spelled without a vav, without, I think without both vavs. I'm not sure exactly. Look up. I think without both vavs. Just tough lamed dalid toldois. Yeah, maybe it has one vav. But the only place that it has two vavs is right at the beginning, toldois, shemayim var. So the Medrash says... That's because when Hashem created the world, Hashem created the world mole. The world was filled, filled with, filled with what? Filled with an neshama, with a soul. When Hashem, when, when Adam and Chava sinned, suddenly they, the, 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 the neshama of the world primarily departed. The world became very bleh. And what happened? So it says that Hashem extracted the Vav. These are six things that the world lost. Vav is six. So it, the world lost six things. The human being is no more... It says that uh, when Hashem, when initially the human being was supposed to live forever. Now our, our lives are cut short. Person, the human face had such radiance that it made the sun dark. That's what it says. Right? So sun dark. Our, our faces were shining like crazy. And, and then Hashem removed the Moir upon him. And then also the, the, the height of the people. We were much taller and we shrunk. So these are three things. The next thing is the taste of food. The food was tasty. Now everything is dull. Even though we might think that wow, there are such delicious fruits with so much taste, it's a beer, beer, beer minimum. A little fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a crumb of the true delight and taste that there is to food. And also the sun and the moon. The sun and the moon were far, far brighter than they are. The lights were dimmed. Hashem dimmed the lights. So what happens? Think about it. Hashem decreased our life and He dulled us. Our light that's shining 
isn't here, our, and that expresses itself in our physical height. He dimmed the lights of the world. Everything became suppressed. What does that mean? The life force of the world was severely diminished. When is it going to come back? Eila toldois peretz. The only other time when it has of two vavs is it comes to peretz. Peretz is Moshiach Tzadkenu. When Moshiach will come, Moshiach is going to bring back the world all those six things. Not only that, but the filling of the world after Mashiach comes is going to be even greater than the perfected world when, the, when, when, when Adam Arishan. Far, the world's going to be pulsating with life even more than it was in the days of Adam Arishan. But what do we see from here? We see that the world of Golos that we have is a dull and almost dead world. Moshiach, the Indian of Moshiach is not a new reality. Moshiach is to, the, 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 the beauty of Moshiach's world is that suddenly the world will spring to life. And that means, let's just it, translate that into, into, into simple words. That means that the true power of human life will come to, of our Neshama life will come to realization. And therefore we will live for how long? Forever and ever. Life will never expire because the true capacity of the soul is in, in, the neshama is, is a piece of Hashem and God is forever. So the power of God of that neshama is to give life endlessly. It's because now it's not really connected to the body because of that blockages. There are blockages that are blocking. When Mashiach will come, as we said earlier, we will start shining. What is, what's the shine? The shine comes from wisdom. Chachmas Adam Tarepana. What's going to be when Mashiach comes? Suddenly our brains will open up. Boom! Wow! And how do you know? How do you know that basically the world can't continue in its current dead state? It just occurred to me just, just today, and actually just occurred to me right now while I'm talking. But, but a little thought that, that Ramesh relates to this. You know, the, 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 the um, people in, in technology are talking about that there will soon come a time when computers will take over and they'll overpower, they might overpower us humans because they'll be smarter than us. And once that happens, artificial intelligence becomes smarter than us, then who knows, you know, what's going to happen with mankind. Oh, yeah, so we're worried about that. Should we be worried about it? I think it's a legitimate worry. But it's not something to be worried about for a simple reason. They're not taking into account the tremendous explosion of human resources that's going to happen any moment. So you're right, this current human being that has his mind till now is Taka being the world, is, the computer is catching up to this. <laughs> and, and, and then Taka, man's, man's existence in this current state has not, doesn't have much more reason to live because you already, you've already given all your seichel out to produce what you, you can, you produce something that can already take it to a next level beyond you. Ah, but that's because you, we're working with our 99% of our brain tied and not being released. And more than that, 99 is just a number. It's way, way, way more than that. The true wisdom and knowledge is suddenly going to burst forth like, like it's going to flood. It's going to come pouring forth like a powerful spring of knowledge. You think technology, you think we have a technological world now? Do we have any idea what's going to happen after Mashiach comes to technology? But technology won't be the, the main thing. The main thing is going to be the known, the knowledge of God. So our, our minds will open up. Our hearts will open up. 
What kind of davening is going to be davening? What kind of connection? What kind of friendships are we going to have? How deep is it going to be the love to our children? The love to our friends, our connections, our appreciations of each other. How great is going to be the joy of a wedding because the joy is just going to be like endless. All these things, everything's infinite. We're, we, we, we're, we're so cramped, we're so numb. Dance a little here and there, but we're not alive. Real life. We haven't started to live yet. Real life is going to unfold when Mashiach comes. But it's exactly who? It's exactly the same us. It's the same body. It's the same you. It's the same everything. It's the same, same physical world. It's just the Aleph is there. When it has its... That's the difference between a, a dead body and a live body. The difference between having an Hashem and not having an Hashem. It's incomparable. Yet it's the same, same infrastructure. So we have to reveal the Aleph in the Golas. Now let's take that a step deeper. If, that's, if this is what Giyula is. And therefore, just, just to conclude, just one more idea. Therefore, anybody who, 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 who is, is uh, worried that like, they're going to lose something from their current world, and, and, and therefore I don't want Mashiach, because it may be good yet, it's good for now. It's like a person whose eyesight has been impaired, and they've lost the ability to see color. And for many years, they see everything black and white. All they see, they don't see. I mean, the richness of color, they don't see any color. They see a blue sky. Only black and white. That's, that, that's all they see. And you tell them, you know what, we can, I can fix, there's a new, a new um, treatment that came out, and we can, re- we can bring you vision, a full color vision. Say, no, 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 no. I mean, I have my vision now. I like my vision. I'm not doing anything to your vision. I'm just going to enhance it tremendously. So instead of seeing black and white, you're going to see colors. Is that, is that, the black and white is not going away. It's, just, it's, it's enriched with something so much richer. So you have money now, you have possessions now, you have a home now. You have access to various different pleasures and delights that make your life very comfortable. You'll appreciate all these things that you have a, thousand more, a thousandfold. Why? Because you're going to experience the godly dimension that's in your toothbrush. What's godly about my toothbrush? I don't know, but guess what? You have, how many teeth do we have? You have, 30, you have, you have 32 teeth. What's the 32 teeth? 32 teeth is, 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 is the Lamed Beis Nasiv Chachma. There are 32 pathways of wisdom. So there must be something about brushing teeth that's superbly godly. It's not just the mint flavor that you get from your thing. There's something unbelievably godly, like Hasidus talks about brushing hair. That when you brush God's hair. So brushing hair is a godly act also. When the human being is a reflection of God, not a piece of meat and bones. You're a being, you're a godly being. Everything in Hashem is reflected in your body. So everything in your life has got a, such richness, depth and meaning. But without the Aleph, what is it? It's dead. So what are you going to lose? What are you afraid? You're going to lose. You have, you have a little old tape recorder that's playing music and I'm going to set you up a Bose system. And it's going to be surround sound music. Through, and uh, whoa, that's what life is going to be. Mashiach is that Bose system. You hear every little, little nuance of the music. You hear all the richness, all the richness of all the sounds. You see color just because you're seeing the missing ingredient, which is the godly, the godliness of everything. When that is imbued in the world, boom, life, true life. So how do we get 
to that Aleph revealed in the Golas. How do we get to it? We get to it by during the Golas doing exactly that Avodah. But trying to find God in the godlessness, in the mundane things. That's the Avodah. We have to uncover the Alufay Shalolam. When in every aspect of your life, in every incurrence, in every situation you're in, you look, why did the Abishter put me in this environment? What's there for me to do something godly? What's the godly? What, what, what's the Abishter's plan in me meeting? If, if I'm going out for coffee, I'm meeting this person, and for the first time it's someone, uh, someone introduced me for a business thing, that's me with this person for my own personal need. But God, who has a human being, let's me put something, God invested a piece of himself in us. And we know Yemeshana saying Yushiv Mishana, the Abish that gives a person a certain amount of years that you have to make tremendous tikkunim in the world. So the Abish allows you on his clock to sit for an hour and a half at coffee bean, stam yentening away and talking about who knows what with this person for no godly that. How can God invest and allow you to have such a nothing of a meeting? Well, oh, because that's the way he'll give me parnasa, And the Abish that doesn't have any other way to give you parnasa than to sit with a guy for an hour and a half and talk about him. Obviously, there is something godly. That is that that Gentile needs to hear something meaningful about his life. And you're a Jew. You're a divine agent in this world. Illuminate this Gentile. Give him a little kernel. Give him something. Talk to him about Hashem. Talk to him about... Throw in something about... The, oh, a miracle that happened, a wonderful thing about Ashkacha Pratis, about life being meaningful. He's so thirsty, he wants to hear, but he wants to hear it, he needs to hear it from a Jew. That's just an example. And it's an every little, little, minute thing in our life, in which whenever we find the Alufa Shalaylam, if we make mundane, otherwise empty, hollow experiences that are lacking any true meaning, and we give them a godly meaning, that means we discover the Alufa. And by us working on discovering an Aleph in the world, eventually, what happens? When Mashiach will come, as a result of us defining the Aleph in the Golas, and why Dafka the Golas? So let's add one more idea. And that is that the Abishter, Dafka, his desire, is Dafka to have a dwelling place in the low. And since God wants a dwelling place in the low, so number one, Hashem created the physical world. Because the physical world is low. The nature of the physical world is low because the physical world does not tell you of a creator. I mentioned this on Thursday night last week. The more physical something is, the coarser, the coarser it is. The coarser it is, it, it, it pretends to be a self-sufficient entity without anything generating it. And we gave an example of a beam of light. Whenever you're looking at light... You know instantly when you see a light suddenly, you're in a dark room, you see lights, you turn around. What are you turning around? You turn around to look for the source of the light, where the light comes from. Because when you're seeing light, since light is edel, it's refined, it's more ruchniistic, ruchni tells you of a makar, it tells you of a source. But when you see a stone, you don't immediately turn around and say, where's the stone coming? Look up, look, is the source coming from, the stone coming from the right, from the left? The stone is a stone. It doesn't, it doesn't need to justify where it came from. It just is. But that's the biggest lie possible. Nothing can just exist. What do you mean it just is? But it doesn't, doesn't occur to us because Gashmius is material. So that's called Tachtoin. It's very low. Very low. But then, but that's not low enough. Even though the world is low and very challenging, it's not low enough. The Abishta goes and puts 
our, us into an exile. On top of it all, he puts the Jewish people into an exile. And in that exile, he wants you to find him. To discover God in things where there's antithetical Tashem. Because the whole exile really is, is antithetical Tashem. Because if God is in control, how does he let his children suffer? And how is it that, uh, that, the, that these powers that are against Hashem have so much power? So basically, Hashem has concealed Himself even more than the concealment of the physical world. That just doesn't speak of Hashem, but it doesn't deny God. It doesn't, it doesn't tell you about it, but it's not openly denying. But then Hashem puts us through an exile where you have questions. You have things that are showing that the chas v'shalem, maybe they're... And there's other, other possible people, you're amongst nations, people that give you other forms of worship that are not the form of sar serving the Abish. There's something else. And we're living through that hell. We're living through that darkness. And what's the kavana? The kavana is that you find the aleph even in the most ungodly of things. Which means even chas v'shalom, if there's a tragedy or something, Jews have always found and discovered how ultimately that too led to something good. And Yidin have always said, Gamzu l'tayva. You know where Mashiach is going to come from? Mashiach is going to come from, from the five billion Gamzu l'tayvas the Jews said in every circumstance. So then we uncovered godliness in such dark situations where you didn't know. You said, Abishter, why are you doing this? It sounds to me so dark. But then a Jew said, Gamzu l'tayva, there must be something godly over here. So he uncovered God, he uncovered Hashem in something so up. By doing that, we go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into the darkest, darkest things in the world, making for Hashem a home in this world, being Megala, the Aleph in the Golos, in the Gaila, and as a result of that, Giyula, we have redemption. Now let's take that a step further. That's why we also find when Jews in general... Just like when we were in Mitzrayim, we find that we use it, Mitzrayim is the prototype. We're using Mitzrayim because there we already experienced a redemption. So we look at Mitzrayim and let's, let's analyze the Golos and, and Geula relationship in Egypt. What was, the, what was the situation? We were enslaved. We had a very, very, and we were, really, we were amongst really bad guys. Okay? These guys were terrible. But Hashem didn't obliterate them just and take us out of there. That happened, yeah, there were a lot of makas, but if you look carefully at the Geula from Mitzrayim, you see that we took Mitzrayim along with us when we went out. It wasn't like we dumped Egypt, we elevated Egypt. How do we see that? It says, Mitzrayim. The Jews left. Not only did the Jews leave and they took all their possessions. Remember we said before, some people are scared they're going to have to leave their wealth here. Gonna work, gonna be transfers, all your bank accounts, gonna go to Eretz Yisrael. And if you, have, if you did mitzvahs in your house, you can take that along also. And all that, so everything, is, everything is gonna move. Nothing, is, nothing of the Jew's possession stays in Golis. Not even a drop, not even one iota. God would never do that if it's true. Never. So everything is gonna come out. But in addition to that, the Jews took all the wealth of Mitzrayim. Not only that, there were many Egyptians who converted. Gam Erev Rav, the Erev Rav joined. Okay, good for bad, whatever. They, they weren't ready yet completely. I'm not going to get into that troubles that came from it in the end. But Saif Kosef, Mitzrayim went up as well. Mitzrayim went up, gold and silver went up. Not only that, the Rebbe points out something amazing. The Mitzrayim themselves came running after the Jewish people and forced them to take stuff. They, 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 they gave them. They, they were telling them, take, take. 
and, 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 and Rashi says that, the certain, uh, that, that they gave them Balkarcham. The Jew didn't want to take. So he killed no take. So he asks the question, why was that necessary? Why was it necessary for the Mitzri to come running after the Jew and tell him, take, 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 take even this? What, what was the benefit of that? What's the gain? Especially since the way Hashem dealt with Mitzrayim was he beat them up. So who cares? Why does it have to come, if the Jew doesn't want, if we're not looking for it, so why does the Mitzri have to put it and force him to take it? So he says something really, really amazing. Since the whole, the whole Geula, the definition of Geula is that we lift the Geula, we lift the Golas up. Part of the Golas is who? Not just the possessions, but the Mitzrim themselves. They're part of the Golas. They have to be lifted up. How are they lifted up? By them supporting a Jewish cause. So after everything is said and done, part of the Aliyah of the Giyula was that there was a change and transformation in Mitzrayim's mind. The leftover Mitzrim, there weren't that many. They suffered a lot. But there were those that remained... And then later they chased after the Jewish people and they sunk in the sea. But for during the period of time when the Jews were going out, there were many enlightened Mitzrim who said, we, there is, they recognize that there is an Abish there. And they said they want to support the godly cause. So they took of their things and they gave it to the Jewish people. Okay, they thought they're coming back in three days. Fine, but they're going to serve Hashem. They wanted to participate in serving Hashem. That means Mitzrayim itself participated in the Giyulah. That's huge. Some of them did it because they appreciated God. Some of them did it they didn't physically appreciate, but their spiritual power above caused them to do so. It's the idea of mazlayu chazi, their mazal so. So when it comes to this giyula, our current day giyula, it's the same thing. Number one, we, we lift Egypt. It means we lift the nations that we go through. All the Nitzutzi Kedusha, we spoke about this a million times. All the sparks of holiness that we, that, that we, that we pick up when we go, when we, when, in, the, in, the, uh, in the time of Gullus. But And here's, here's the main point. This is a very, very important point. And that is that the resources, the, the Jewish people are so resourceful, is that not only do they withstand the powerful pressures of exile, and don't lose their connection to Hashem, but they actually take the very exile itself and envelop that into their Jewishness. Through this, they truly create Giyula. Because Giyula must come from Goyla. And let me give you a little example. Jews were in Russia for many, 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 many years. Okay? Then Jews left Russia. Jews didn't just survive Russia. Jews picked up Russia. In which sense? What does Russians have? Russians are stubborn. Stubborn, a stubborn Ruski. They're stubborn like anything. When Jews were in Russia, Jews were lacking that stubbornness. But the Jews that were in Russia, Taka, they served God with stubbornness. Under the communist regime, as stubborn as the Russians were, the Jews were even more stubborn. And they won. So what did the, the Jewish Neshama was lacking that stubbornness. That stubbornness Esau had. And the Yid picked up that stubbornness and integrated it into his Judaism. Then the Jews moved to America. America was an impossible klipa. It was such a klipa that anybody said, come to America, you're going to lose everything. Jews, you'll be, it's a trefin in Medina. Here's where you drop your tefillin in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the Hudson Harbor and finish. No Yiddishkeit, no Shabbos, no nothing. Take a look, take a look. 
Like, who would believe? What an unbelievable transformation. Look across the United States of America. City after city, place after place. Yiddishkeit is thriving. Yeshivas, Torah, the communities, mitzvah, gemilas chasadim. It's not to believe what was built up in America. In the East Coast and in the West Coast, I spent a weekend in Dallas. Who would expect to see so many shuls, so many, in Dallas out of all places? It's unbelievable, everywhere. But there's one more thing I think is so powerful. What does America have that Jews didn't have? America has ambition. In America, you're a dreamer. You come to where America says, doesn't make a difference who your parents were. Doesn't make a difference what your fortune is. Doesn't make a difference your economic status. You can dream and you can make it. That's the American dream. Did Jews have that before they came to America? Jews didn't have that. Who had power? The Rothschilds had power. Why? Because they were generations of wealthy people. Who can make a difference in the world? Big tzaddikim, someone will say there was... Today, every schmendrick... He is a, has his own community and buildings and book and book. Why? We needed that. We didn't have that. Today, Mamish, everybody can become and do. Why? Because we took the American ambition, the Netzach, the, 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 and converted that. So now America is elevated. And Taka, what do we see in the literal sense? Just like in Mitzrayim, America, it's the entire... Evangelical Christians, they're the ones who are telling us to be strong in Israel. They're giving money. They're giving billions of dollars, literally millions and millions of dollars they're sending to Israel for the construction of Eretz Yisrael and so on and so forth. That's, that's Gila. That's, and how did it come? It came from us taking the Nisham of America, integrating it into holiness. We lift America up. And now the president of America is the biggest supporter of Israel we've ever seen. Next week he might be in Yerushalayim himself eh? and, 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 and fighting our battles. I mean, unbelievable. This is the Aleph. This is the Mitzrayim, elevating Egypt. So when we go to Israel, what's going to be? Who's going to go to Israel? In the end, who's going to go? We're going to go. Children are going to go. Our families are going to go. Our possessions are going to go. And we're even going to bring along some Kazakhs as well. Even the Kazakhs. Meaning, as we said earlier, because we take the Kazakhs and, and elevate them into, into Yar Yiddishkeit. But that's all Shaykh to last week's shir. What's this week's class? I just want to add, because in, in that talk that I mentioned to you from the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Pasha's Achrei Moisei Kedoshim, I've just given you the gist of it. And Parsha's Emmer, he doesn't talk about the Parsha at all. Not at all. He just adds one very, very, very important idea. He says, it can't be. And he begins it already. The theme he begins already in Parsha's Achrei Mois, but he finally crystallizes in Parsha's Emmer. And this is its connection to Lag Bomer, and I want to conclude just another five minutes. You don't believe me, okay? Six minutes. In any case, he says like this. We can't just say that the Gi'ula is only uncovering the godliness of the world. Aleph is alufa shalaylam. We have to uncover the godliness of Mitzrayim. Because we know that in the Gi'ula, let's, say, let's talk of Mitzrayim. 
In Mitzrayim, the Abishter, as a result of our work, it was revealed, that in Mitzrayim, the Yodu Mitzrayim Kani Hashem. The Mitzrayim knew that God is the master over nature. But to the Jewish people, there was something that happened much more than God master over nature being revealed. To the Jewish people, it says, There was a revelation of God Himself, not just the divinity of creation. Those of you that studied Halil Hasidus know that when God created the world, He creates the world just with a tiny little crumb and crumb a crumb of His infinite power. So we can't say that the Giyula was only that, because Hashem appeared to the Jewish people with His full, with His full grandeur. He revealed Himself. Especially we know that after Matan I'm sorry, after Yitzhak Mitzrayim, we went to Har Sinai. And by Har Sinai, what, what did, Hashem revealed Himself. Anoichi Hashem, Elokecha, I'm God, your God. And we know that in that Anoichi is, is Hashem Himself. Anoichi. So it's not just, it's not just, how can you say that the Giyula is just uncovering the Aleph? What's Aleph? Alufay shel Olam, the power that empowers creation. That's only a minuscule drop of a drop. By the Giyula we had so much greater than that. The same is also in this future redemption. It's not just seeing the godliness of the world. It's not just seeing the godliness of nature. When Mashiach will come, there will be spectacular miracles, totally beyond nature. And we know when Mashiach will come, Hashem will again reveal to us the Torah, same Torah. But this time Hashem is going to reveal the deepest, deepest Torah, Torah Mashiach, the Torah of Mashiach. Torah like we've never learned. Torah much higher, Torah much deeper. How can we say that our avoda is just Aleph, just to uncover the godliness of creation? So therefore he says, very, very, very briefly, that Aleph has three dimensions to it. Because Aleph has three meanings. Aleph means chief. In that sense, it means the chief of the world, the power in creation. Aleph also means, I will teach you. Aleph comes from the Ulfana. Ulfana means to learn. So Aleph means educating. And Aleph also means wonder. If you take the word Aleph and you switch around the letters, you get the word Pele. Pele means wonder. So he explains these are three levels to the Aleph. The lowest level of the Aleph is the Aleph as the power of creation. The power that God infused in creation. Kabbalistically, it's associated with the attribute of Malchus. Hashem's kingship in the world. That's the Aleph. Power in creation. But then there's something higher. There is what? Educating the creation. Giving the creation more. Give them knowledge. Give them information. That's Aleph, Melashen. Aleph Chachachma, Aleph Chabina. I will teach you wisdom. I will teach you Bina. That's adding to the creation light, influence, enlightenment, more than just uncovering the artist in the piece of art. In the art that... It's... it's, it's it bringing into the world something higher than creation into the creation. Educating the world. And what's the third level? And, and in spheroids and attributes, those are referring to the Chachma and Bina. Because we know that the Chachma and Bina, the first Chachma Bina, Das in general, is Lamailam and Oilam. The Mochen are higher. When God created the world, how many days did... There are ten spheroids, but how many days did Hashem create the world? Only seven days. Because the seven spheroids were responsible for creation. The first three are transcendental. So that's, that, that's something higher than the world. But then, but it's a higher that can be taught. It's a higher that eventually you can learn. But then there is something called pelel, wonder. What's wonder? 
It's something that's totally beyond, 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 beyond. You can't know it utterly. That's the Abishter himself as he is totally unknown. Keser, the crown. That's also in the Aleph. Three levels of Aleph. Keser, Chachma, and Malchus. So therefore he says, the Avoida that every single Jew needs to do in order to take the Goyla and be Megala the Giyula, that our Geula should just be. That itself would be amazing. Just experiencing the meaning and the godliness of life, the soul of creation, that itself would be worth it. But that's not, God wants to give us much more than that. He wants to educate us with the infinite light that's higher than creation. And even more, He wants to reveal His essence here. Therefore, in our Avaidah, there's three things. The Avaidah of Malchus Alufa Shalaylam is what we spoke about the entire Shir. In every mundane, ordinary activity, you make a bracha. In every situation, you're looking for the godly content in that situation. You're uncovering the godliness of the world. But our avoda doesn't stop in that. Our, in addition to that, we, do, we learn Torah and we do mitzvahs. Torah and mitzvahs is higher than the world. We're in, we're, every time a Yid learns a Mishnah, you learn a, 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 a Sif and Shulchan Aruch, you learn a Pasik Chumash, you're introducing into the world information, knowledge, that's higher than creation. And that eventually is going to, re- evo- it's going to result in the world being enlightened with infinite enlightenment. Much higher than, that is, than just uncovering the secrets. We can put it this way. Science is looking to uncover the secret of life. But even when science... And, and how far are they from getting to the, to the... To get to the very... They can explore for another gazillion years. And it's still magnificent what they can find. Deeper secrets. But it's all the science of what is. When we study Torah, we're adding to the world much greater knowledge. Higher. But then there's something else. We don't only learn Torah, we learn the wonders of the Torah. What's the wonders of the Torah? Those are the secrets of the Torah, revealed by Rabbi Shimon by Yochai. And here's where we have when we come to Lag Bomer. When we have this week Lag Bomer, and we have the revelations of Rabbi Shimon by Yochai, Gal I open my eyes, Ve'abitan I will see Neflois mitaresecha, the wonders of your Torah. Pele, Pele is wonder. The same word, Neflois, Pele. When we study not just Torah, but when we study the innermost of the Torah, the panemius of the Torah, that will result in the days of Mashiach for the Gilui of the Aleph on three dimensions. Aleph as the power in creation, Aleph as, an educate, as, an, as, as educating the world with knowledge beyond creation, and then bringing us to the wonder. And even that is revealed down here in our physical planet. All, all three levels of the Aleph. Insert the Aleph into the Goyla. So what's our work? What's the program? Program is, when we know Mashiach is coming literally any day, we have to get excited in doing three things. Try not to have a mundane moment throughout the day. Everything you're doing, try to figure out, find the godly content in it. Try to increase in Torah study. Just because, imagine if we all just did that. Every day we say, you know, Mashiach is coming any day. I have to learn something extra today. So we add the Aleph, Ulfana adding. And then the third thing is, learn a little Hasidus. In addition to studying Torah, any part of Torah, add in the study of Hasidus, especially in the Hasidus relating to Mashiach, which we're doing over here, that will bring us the full realization of Alufay Shalolam, of the, of the, of the, of the, of the, of the Eberster himself. May we merit 
When we merit not just to see the signs of your redemption, but to actually, actually see Moshiach Tzedkenu that is so waiting to redeem us, may we see his full light between, beautiful time, between Pesach Sheni and Lag Bomer. So in Lag Bomer itself, we can already celebrate with the Rajbi, with all the Tzadikim, and with Moshiach Tzedkenu in the third base Amigdash. May we see it now. Kinder, she didn't go yet, say, they be 